Welcome to the We Serve podcast of Government Policy, Real Estate, and You. I'm Liz Reckia, Government Affairs Director for the We Serve Association of Realtors, and this is your quick update for today. How many times have you been asked by a client, what's going on over there? What's going to happen? Do you know if that's always going to be a farm? Do you know what this area will look like in about 20 years? I have. And I'm sure most, if not all of us, have been asked these or similar questions. You have a couple of sources to point your clients to in order for them to answer their own questions. The city plan and the code of ordinances are two sources, and they can always ask the Economic Development Department since frequently the city plan and code of ordinances are amended in order to accommodate current economic needs of the city. In 2020, cities, towns, and counties updated their general plans, the blueprint for their growth. This year, 2021, is the year of zoning, planning, and code updates. Local governments are now in the process of updating their planning and code of ordinances to reflect the updated, or in some cases, completely new city plan. The process seems boring, And in my blog post on city general plans and their impact on ordinances and development from last November, I discuss impacts and highlight the changes proposed in Surprise and Tempe as examples. Planning, zonings, and codes are boring until you realize the conversations today will directly impact the residential and commercial product available to buyers, sellers, and tenants for 25 to 50 years or more in the future. The modes of transportation available to those businesses and residents are being decided today. What property owners can do with their property and buildings will be decided based on interpretations of those new and updated city plans. When I ask members to fill out a survey, provide input to city staff or elected officials, or speak at a PNZ, a Planning and Zoning Commission meeting, or a city council meeting, frequently I'm greeted by, but I'm not qualified, or I don't know anything about that. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, I would argue you are the most important expert in the room. Builders and developers, by the nature of their businesses, build product for today. That is why we sometimes see trends that suddenly overwhelm the market. Think of building mostly condos or 5,000 square foot plus McMansions or homes on narrow lots or HOA only products, etc. It's not that those products aren't needed or wanted. It's a question of how much of that specific product in that same cookie cutter way is needed or wanted now and 40 years from now. We all know areas in which 50 to 100 year old homes are in demand, always, no matter the market. They tend to have certain characteristics, well laid out streets, pedestrian and bike pathways, homes with good floor plans and good bones. Houses that met the needs of buyers and renters in 1920, 1960, 2006, 2021, and they will meet those needs in 2045 as well. In commercial, it's a space in an easily accessed area with signage that can undergo reuse as industry needs and wants change. Last fall, Surprise was discussing narrow and small lots. As prices to build increase and demand continues to grow, the pressure on builders to build faster and still keep affordability increases. 
When larger houses are placed on smaller lots, the conversation naturally starts to include alleys as one tool to get more housing on a particular parcel. The automatic response to alleys from a lot of clients is no. They visualize their new home in the future and think about some of the alley houses in Phoenix and Tempe. Trash, dirt, weeds, and unsavory behaviors happen in those neglected alleys. No one wants to deal with that in the future, and so buyers are hesitant. Our members brought this input to the City of Surprise planners, and the conversation changed from alleys, yes or no, to what are the hallmarks of successful alley communities? What characteristics do successful alley communities have? Is it law enforcement? Is it alleys that by their siting are used every day to access outbuildings or garages? Is it alleys designed to also double as play areas, bike or bridle paths, or some other recreational asset? How wide should an alley be? Should it be wide enough for a landscape truck and a trailer to use? Should it be wide enough for a luxury RV to get in and out of its parking location? The conversation that results is one in which use of the alley helps determine the size of the alley. The general consensus seems to be that the big deterrent to crime, trash, and weeds in an alley is regular use. That's a conversation we serve members are well suited to. You hear your buyers and sellers' comments and you know their concerns. Your input isn't just representative of you, it is representative of your clients and their desires and concerns for the next several decades. We serve members by the nature of their businesses, look at not only the wants and needs of today, but the probable wants and needs of the market in 50 years. Because we serve members sell and lease product built over the decades. So the next time you're asked to fill out a We Serve GAD survey, provide input to a local government, or present at a city council meeting, think about the valuable viewpoints you represent. Let the city officials know what you know. Which brings us to housing. We all know housing is in short supply, but more importantly, what does it look like going forward? According to the U.S. Census Bureau, as of December 31, 2020, the Phoenix metro area saw housing permits of 46,618 units in 2020. That's a 24% increase in single-family homes over the course of 2020 and a 32% increase in multifamily housing at a time when there was an 18% increase in median sales prices. While Avondale saw the largest percentage increase in single-family permits at 427% last year, here are some numbers of single-family permits for the most active cities in Metro Phoenix. Avondale, 548. Phoenix, 4,049. Buckeye, 3,343. Surprise, 2,481. Maricopa County, 2,424. Casa Grande, 1,034, Glendale, 2,295, Coolidge, 427. As of January 31, 2021, the Census Bureau showed 4,070 permitted units in Phoenix Metro. That's just one month in 2021. According to RealPage, Inc., Phoenix Metro had 22,055 apartment units under construction in the third quarter of 2020 and it's estimated another 45,400 apartment units will be permitted in 2021. I like to look at entitled units because those units are good view to the future. 
For example, as of early January 2021, the City of Surprise had almost 50,000 entitled units. How many entitled units are there in the cities or towns your clients wish to live in? Find out and follow those projects to help provide your clients the best chance of securing their new lease or purchase home. The reason for the housing shortage is true economic development. The jobs that are arriving today span diverse and multiple industries, from medical R&D, food R&D, to manufacturing of food, to mattresses, appliances, aerospace goods, and a vast array of commercial equipment and residential goods. They are jobs in data centers, transportation, office, manufacturing, distribution, mortgage, real estate, financial services, almost any kind of job you can imagine. Along with those jobs is an increasing number of corporate development and relocation of headquarters. Increasingly, companies are buying large parcels of land with the intention of expanding over time. Sometimes that expansion plan gets quickly sped up as we saw with White Claw and Red Bull. The thing that allows these companies to invest in relocating and expanding is Arizona's dedication to creating the necessary infrastructure over time. Internet, water, freeways and roadways, air and rail transport. All of which brings people who need houses. We're fortunate to have a variety of housing options. One of the items I believe we need to think of now is how do we preserve those diverse housing choices? From small, courtyard-style units, to luxury apartments, to condos on lakes, to the full range of single-family housing types. Rural, urban, and suburban-style living, HOA and non-HOA living. I encourage you to participate in the conversation now, as cities are developing their planning and zoning codes for the next 40 years. We serve GAD engages with local communities, and we would love to add your voice to the mix here at WeServe and in our communities. Attend a government affairs meeting or event, or you can always email or phone me. We serve GAD, advocating for private property rights, the right to private contract, and your business. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.